0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 25 of the Toolstation Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined once again on the line by the editor of the Toolstation Station Western League Bulletin. It is Mr Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, long time no speak, really, isn't it? How are you doing? It is. It is we've managed to get just enough blood out of the stone to um well, for you to have produced another bulletin. and for us to uh, have got you back on the podcast talking about football. Of course, last week, there was only one game. Um, I did manage two interviews, but there was only one game, and um, the listeners, for the first time, I think, in podcast history, had to suffer my monologue, which is not something I ever want to do again. So um even if we haven't got any football to talk about, I think we'll we'll have to wheel you out because, yeah, me talking, Nonsense on my own doesn't quite have the same doesn't have the
1: same ring to it. Not when I'm not when I can talk it with you. Right, well, it's always yeah, as you say, it's been too many postponements for everyone's um, everyone's liking, isn't there? Recently, so uh, fortunately we did have I think it was three matches on the weekend, so as you say, a little bit to talk about. But um, yeah, fingers crossed that it. Well, if it's not the rain, it's the frost, isn't it, at the moment? But fingers crossed we get over the worst of it in, in, in the uh, not-too-distant future and, uh, yeah, we get some get some games because there'll obviously be a big backlog so there'll be lots to talk about over the next few months.
0: Yes, well, that was one of the things we were talking about last week, the big yeah. backlog with George McCaffrey. Yeah. He could have his own podcast. Anyway, right, on this week's podcast we've got interviews with the manager of Helston Athletic, Matt Cusack, and also we speak to Dave Wilkinson, a man... Incredibly well known around the uh, around the Western League, uh, he's um, a big supporter of uh, of Radstock Town. But um, it's going to be his role with the Premier League Stadium Fund that we're going to focus on, and that interview really. If you are uh, involved in a club, particularly if you're a chairman or a secretary on a committee, and you're interested in accessing um grant money to improve your facilities then hopefully you'll get some real insight from dave into not only how that process works but also what you need to get in place um to support your application so hopefully um, there'll be some um useful stuff in there we will of course be talking about the games that were played and also the fixtures that are coming up and that includes the fa bars because believe it or not those games at the third time of asking hopefully fingers crossed um should be going ahead this weekend, but we will cover that later. So, Tom, we're going to kick off with the games played on Saturday, January the 21st. Uh, three matches
1: we got on in our Premier Division. We
0: start at Barnstable Town, where the visitors were Falmouth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This was a, yeah, great game. Barnstable um, coming out as 3-2 uh, victors in the end. So uh, yeah, good home uh, home victory for them. Uh, and it was yeah, it was pretty much around the half half time period where they they took over the game. Uh, Tor swan uh put them ahead and then it was billy tucker scoring just before half time and then a couple of minutes after uh, almost uh, sort of five minutes before and then five minutes after they say it was matt andrew then adding a third uh, and they held off held off uh falmouth's uh, chase for to come back into it so it did end three two and uh, yeah they managed to turn the tables on a, on a nine goal thriller that these two sides battled out not that long ago uh, five four that ended in falmouth's favor so uh, yeah, when these two meet, there's uh, goals goals guaranteed. It seems so. Uh, yeah, but a, a good win uh, for Barnstable, who obviously uh, yeah take take the three points and um, yeah move move up the division a little bit.
0: Well, um, if there were goals galore in that game, we can do one better in our next game: Helston Athletic against Kensham Town, a six-goal thriller. And um, well, I'm I'm sure that the home fans went home happy here, Tom.
1: Yeah, they did in the end. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, A nervy start you could say. They did fall behind to to the bottom side. Henry Sardi scoring after just eight minutes uh, to put to put the, uh, the the visitors in front. Uh, but it was yeah, it's cancelled out midway through the opening half by by Ruben Wilson, getting Helston back on level terms. Uh, and then uh, stoppage time at the end of the first half. It was Ricky Shepherd who was on hand to convert to make it make it two one. Uh, so Helston did lead at the interval. So they'd uh, yeah got 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 in the position they needed to, and then they, yeah, pushed on after the interval. Uh, Tyler Elliott and Steve Colwell put the result pretty much beyond doubt, uh, 4-1 up, uh, and then it was Tyler Denton grabbing a late consolation for, for Kenshin. but yeah, another another side to, to bag a home victory, so 4-2 for Helston over Keinshine.
0: Well, Matt Cusack was a manager we spoke to really at the start of this season, so I thought it was a good opportunity to get Matt back, talking about all the good work that Helston Athletic are doing at the moment, not least to get a game on, particularly when so many were unable to play on Saturday. And that's where we started, reflecting on how how it felt to actually play football again on a Saturday afternoon.
2: Good evening, Ian. Uh, hope you're well, mate. Uh, yes, absolutely delighted uh, because it's been a, a long few weeks and um, you know, it's probably the worst part of the football season for, for players and managers when games get cancelled and when, there's sort of, uh, when that's duplicated across a series of weeks, it, it can become really frustrating. So, yes, Saturday was great to get a game on finally.
0: Now, was it ever touch and go? Because obviously a lot of games across the entire region were called off. I mean, do we owe your volunteers a debt of thanks?
2: Uh, we do, uh, and um, to be fair, um, you, you mentioned touching goal. go. I, I, I think our game against Street the week before was actually touching go, but we sort of aired on the side of caution, and um, I think because they had the, that distance, great distance to travel, we were unsure whether another sort of wet weather session was going to come in before kickoff. We, we, we kind of made a sensible decision, and, and I think there's been a, a lot of that going on now throughout the league, where sort of we're keeping an eye, one eye on the forecast and making more sensible decisions rather than making people travel um you know and making make them sort of unnecessary journeys. But yeah, it, it was uh, it Saturday was, was 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 never really touching goal. It's just always gonna be a heavy pitch. Um I think the, the in West Cornwall the, the weather was maybe um a little bit different, shall we say, um in the sense that I think, you know, our game was on uh, and Marigold got their game on as well, which isn't too far from Helston. So um yeah, we certainly won't have like the, the rest of um you know, or other parts of the league or other other leagues um up and down the country.
0: Well I guess the win against Kenshin was the perfect way um to uh, to repay everybody at Helston who's been working so hard over the, the last couple of months to get games on.
2: Yeah, and and it didn't really matter um how we did it and what I would say um you know it's it's credit to Kensham. It's the first time I've seen them obviously haven't just come into post this season and um I, I thought they were that they played some really good stuff. Um they they had a clear identity and actually caused us a few problems, particularly in the early exchanges of the game. But yeah, it, you know, overall, it, it was important that we, that we recorded the win. It didn't really matter how we did it. Um, if I'm being brutally honest, we looked like a team that hadn't played for a couple of weeks. I thought we got better as the game went on, uh, and we did some things like quite well and other things not so well. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll address that as, as the weeks unfold um, to try and generate a bit more consistency in, in our play.
0: It's funny because I, I've watched the highlights of... Uh, of the of the game i always do yeah. actually yeah. and um in some respects it did feel like quite a typical performance from you because you were very very good going forward but but you you you, you seem to always give your opponents chances and i guess that you know the defining feature of saturday's game was that canesham weren't able to take theirs uh and uh you know and, and and you went on to secure the game is
2: that a fair assessment um, I think it's a fair assessment that they started the brighter. Um, and, and I would say throughout the season, I, I mentioned on a different podcast recently, that consistency has been absent really from the first half of, of our season. But you know, there was a period before Christmas where we played seven games in a row and kept seven clean sheets. So that kind of puts to bed the sort of myth that we give opportunities away every single game. However, um, I'm in agreement with you on Saturday, we did do that before we scored an equalised. They scored one. I uh, drew another couple of saves from our goalkeeper. And, um, yeah, we did afford them those sort of opportunities. And I would like to put that down on Saturday, just the fact that we, we haven't played for a couple of weeks. But, um, but but I think it's a fair observation that you make. And it's certainly yeah. an area we're aware of and, and looking to address, you know, best we can um, in the time that we have with the players. I mean, we, we get, you know, one training session a week. And um, it's certainly something that, we, that we'll look at and be looking at um, as, as well as other things. Um, but yeah, Saturday I, I agree. You know, as I thought with attacking-wise, uh, we showed some, some some very good sort of patterns of play, scored some some good goals. But uh, defensive-wise, um, the clean sheets obviously always something that any manager would say that they would like. Can't always happen, and Saturday obviously it didn't happen. So, uh, but three points was the main thing.
0: Yeah, well, for anybody who does watch those highlights, um, I think one of those saves your goalkeeper made was was world class. Actually, I thought it was outstanding. So um, yeah. I think plenty of very good work going on at the back. Uh, if we look at the um, the league table, seventh yeah. at the moment, do you think that's yeah. a fair reflection on where you are?
2: Yeah, I don't think the league table lies. And, um, you know, unless you've played um, many fewer games than opposition teams or many more games, then sometimes it might be you know, slightly not, not a true reflection of, of true reality, if you will. But uh, but I think the league table, given that we're, where we are with the games that we have played, is a true reflection of where we're up to. And that's what I said, you know, in the earlier part of this podcast. Um, in the second half of this, this season now, we are looking at uh, consistency, and generating more consistency. And what the first half did show of the season is that we can go on big runs, um, including cup competitions. We you know, went on a 14-game unbeaten run um, leading up to the Western Supermare game in the FA Cup, where you know, we, we were beaten convincingly on that day. But prior to that, we were 14 games unbeaten. Um, During that spell where we had seven straight wins, we recorded seven clean sheets. Um, So so we've shown that we can put runs of sequences of games together in terms of recording wins. Um, And and what we've got to do in the second half of the season is replicate that. But we need bigger sequences, if you will. And that comes with keeping clean sheets, as you you mentioned earlier, but also scoring more goals at the opposite end. And on Saturday, before the game, I was openly... I had some open dialogue with the players, and I said, look, you know, being brutally honest, Rick, Ricky Shepard and and Reuben Wilson um, have only really been backed up by Tom Payne as as a midfielder. Um, So so The two strikers are doing their job, I think, when Rick scored his two on Saturday. um, It took him up to about 16 in all competitions, and and Reuben has also got 16. So, our front two, given that we're at the halfway stage, are doing their job. Um, And they've been backed up by Tom Payne in midfield. But around the team, there's just been not enough people chipping in the goals um just to take the pressure off the front two. So um so that's what we'll be looking for in the that the second half of the season. A lot more people have got to chip in and and then equally, you know, it's the whole team's responsibility to help us keep them out of the other end. Um we had a good little run before Christmas. Um we need to put another one of those runs together, you know, sequences of not only wins but clean sheets um, just to breathe those good habits. And if we can do that, I think we can, you know, um climb the table a little bit more. Um, but also we're still in two cup competitions, and, and I think we can we can have a you know a real good go at them um, so long as we we get the 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 outcomes I've just mentioned.
0: Well, before we spoke, I had a look at the league table, and Saltash and Bridgewater don't look quite as far away as they once did. So, in terms of how you think the title for this season is going to go, how many teams do you think are going to be in the hunt?
2: I think the the, you know, the, the top four, as you look at it right now. Um, again, I said this the other day. I think we were, were 12 points behind Mozo and Shepton, um, that was for us. We're currently behind, obviously, Barnes the ball by three points, I think it is, and then and then Buxton. If we win our games in hand, I think we leapfrog them by a point, um, up up into sort of like fifth. But I think the top four, who are sort of a further 12 points away from us, in order for us to catch any of them, we're going to have to sort of beat Bridgewater next time, beat Shepton next time beat Marizal next time. We've already played Saltash twice, so we can't, we can't play them again to to impact that. Um, so, at this moment in time, I think the, the winner of the title would come from one of those four teams. Um, unless something went disastrously wrong in all of those camps. Um, I, I think for the rest of us, it's a case of, you know, uh, the, the next best-placed team may, may be fifth beyond them. Um, but obviously... Um, if they don't sustain the form that they showed in the first half of the season, then, then yeah, you know, they could be caught in fourth, third, um, and then it, you know, any one of those four f- for the title from there would be um, sort of my educated guess as it stands right now.
0: You can only play what's in front of you, and what's in front of you next is Ashton and Backwell, but they're not going to be an easy team, are they?
2: No, they're not. And, and I watched them over at sort of Torpoint, which is quite local to this area, so uh, where I am. So. Um, so, yeah, and they looked at another well-drilled side like Kensham last Saturday. Um, so, so we'll do some preparation for them. And, um, you know, we'll only ever be looking at the next game um, because that's the, the only one that you can control. You can't control anything beyond that. Um, so, yeah, we'll just be glad to get it on. If we can play back to that games, that'd be great. We've not done that for a number of weeks. Um, and, you know The weather's looking pretty good, so we're hopeful that we can get that one on. And, um, you know, for us, it's about trying to, to do what's required to build up and and to back up last Saturday's result, um but obviously it will be a tough pass.
0: After Ashton and Batwell you've got Ilfra Coombe and then Bridgewater. I mean you've talked about the importance of the Bridgewater game and of course your matches with Mausel. But realistically speaking, I mean if you beat Ashton and Batwell and if you beat Ilfra Coombe and if you beat Bridgewater, then your season's gonna look very different.
2: Yeah it will, um but obviously we'll just take that one game at a time and, and that's all that's all we can do. I mean, you know, where I was last year At Plymouth Parkway, at this stage of the season, we never thought we were going to win the league. Um, And and then, obviously, by building up a series of wins, uh, you get momentum and it just sort of carries you through. And, um, you know, so anything can happen. um, But, but, you know, we'll just be focused on the very next game um, and and we'll be just trying to climb the table. And as I said, and really attack those domestic cups, which I think is uh, certainly a target that, that we can achieve.
0: Now, before we let you go, Matt, um, I've mentioned your video highlights before in this interview. Yeah. Um, of yeah. course, they're produced by Piran Films. Yeah. And um, I really enjoy <clears throat> watching those packages and I always think that one of the great benefits of having them is that it's not just about your club and your fans. The clubs that you're playing, like Cainton, for example, you know, will benefit because they'll get to see a really professionally produced package um, of highlights featuring their, their clubs. But I, I think there's another added benefit that, that comes from um, from that particular facility, and it's probably something we've never spoken about before on the podcast. So I just wanted to get your take for your players. Your players are obviously featured in these packages. I imagine for their families, that's a really important package for them. You know, not just to keep in touch and a, a, as a memento, but it must make a, a massive difference for them. Is that something that you're conscious of?
2: Yeah, I think so. And just to be able to look back on it in years to come, you know, I, I, I was privileged. I mean, Mark, who produces the the, the footage, um, does you know great work and um, produces some excellent video highlights, as you alluded to. Um, he was actually able to to give me a, a cup final from that 2006 that I played in, which is a game that he filmed down that, um, between Truro and the um, So to be able to look back on that was fantastic, because um, obviously you remember, you sort of remember the game. Um, but to be able to look back on that over a period of time was fantastic. But what the great benefit now, of course, is that with YouTube, the players are going to be able to do that for years and years to come, and they can do it every single week as well. So um, obviously they can look at it. They like looking at, it, particularly if they do well, score a good goal or something. But it is certainly beneficial, you know, um, to, to those as individuals. But but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the video highlights is great, and it's not just obviously he does a good job for us, but but lots of clubs in and around sort of. The steps above have got their own video highlights as well so um it is, it is a useful watch and and i do enjoy watching them and um you know long may it continue
0: and my thanks to matt for his time and finally mausel they took on uh welton rovers and
1: uh, this was a very very tight affair tom well, it really was yeah this was um yeah the most probably probably the most dramatic game of the afternoon obviously we did only have three, unfortunately, but this was, uh, yeah, the pick of the bunch in terms of drama and especially late drama at that. Uh, and it was uh, it was Mousel who ended up winning by two goals to one. But it was, uh, yeah, deep into stoppage time when they finally, finally, uh, finally bagged those three points. Uh, they did leave for well much of the afternoon. Jack Bray Evans putting them ahead after 17 minutes, and it looked like they were, yeah, on their way to potentially just picking up a 1-0 win. And uh, yeah, quiet afternoon. But then uh, Andy Elcock was lost to a red card. Uh, midway through the second half. And, uh, yeah, Welton struck uh, pretty late on themselves. It was the 88th minute, in fact, uh, when Owen Puncelli uh, equalised. And, uh, yeah, it looked like, well, as I say, looked like they'd managed to, to, to claim uh, claim claim a moral victory, uh, the, the late point. But it wasn't to be. And it was uh, Mousel who, with the final attack of the game, uh, Harry Bell on debut, uh, heading home, a set piece. Uh, I think that was in the sixth minute of stoppage time. So, uh, yeah, real, real late stuff. Uh, but it was Mauser who beat uh, Welton by two goals to one.
0: If you're thinking
3: Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. Hard to With over 300 branches, there's always a tool station near you. Uh,
0: Right then, Um, we will move on um, to our second interview now. Now, of course, normally in the second half of the podcast, um, we focus on the First Division, but we didn't get any games on in the First Division this week. Um, So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to speak to one of the characters that I've come to know and love around the Western League, Dave Wilkinson from Radstock Town. Dave has a role within the Premier League Stadium Fund. So I thought it'd be very interesting to get him onto the podcast to tell us about that and hopefully give some clubs out there advice about how they might be able to access all important grant funding. So I started the conversation with Dave by asking him to explain exactly what that role is. It's, it's
3: an overseeing role. I've joined the independent panel, um, review panel of the Premier League Fund, which um, is something I want to give back into football, is uh, this understanding and knowledge of, of developing the grounds. And it seemed an appropriate way of doing it. Um, I'm, I'm in retirement, so I'm too old to be sort of thinking about working for the organisation. But it's uh, it's good to be able to bring a little bit of experience to uh, perhaps help other uh, clubs in, in getting their kind of facilities they need to develop. And what's the role of the review panel within the fund? Uh, The review panel is is, uh, directly – the the whole organisation is directly funded by the Premier League. And um, it's just good governance to check that money's being spent in the right directions on the right type of projects, and is actually delivering the goals of the Premier League in the development of football um, throughout, from uh, uh, the very basic grassroots football through to the uh, through to the Premier League, that um, teams and clubs, uh, spectators are,
0: have an enjoyable football experience and want to go back. Because uh, this is probably one of the few times we're going to be talking about the Premier League on the Western League podcast without it relating to our Premier League. We are talking about the Premier League, aren't we? We're talking about the one we all um, watch on on telly. But but the fund covers um, clubs, obviously from from that the very height of professional football all the way down to grassroots football. It's a contribution
3: from uh, the Premier League clubs. It's it looks a relatively small percent, but in terms of the actual money, these clubs. Uh, receive um, from the Premier League, then it's a substantial amount of money, which can provide very much needed funds for uh, for clubs right down uh, right through down through the pyramid system, including the EFL, which of course I mean everybody um, has aspirations to uh, to reach that Premier League goal one day. In fact, I did mention to the. Um, CFO of the Premier League. That uh, the one time he writes me a check, I hope it's for a Radstock Towns television money <laughs> around eighty million. I suggested to him, but he,
0: he saw the funny side of it. But I was being serious. <laughs> I mean, just out of interest, who are the other people that sit with you on the um, on the on the panel? Uh, it's an illustrious
3: group. Um, there is the head of the Football F- Foundation. Um, Uh, Head of the non league system, um, the CFO of the Premier League, uh, the head of the women's game, a number of other professional advisors, and the uh, uh, I think he's the chair, I'm not sure, but of the um, what they call themselves the Sports Ground Safety Authority, who are very key in making sure that everybody is uh, safe when they visit football grounds so they're part of the health and safety
0: executive i believe Uh, well one of the reasons i wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about this is because obviously clubs at our level of football at steps five and six are entitled to apply for money through this fund aren't they to support their own ground improvements
3: absolutely there's there's two ways of raising funds i mean obviously uh Probably everybody's familiar with the Football Foundation, who deliver a brilliant service into um, grassroots football, and their aim is is to develop football on behalf of the FA. Um, stadium grants are exactly what they say they are, and that's being funded by the by the Premier League, Um, clubs at five and six can get at the moment £100,000 on a 30% contribution, meaning um, if you want £100,000, you need to find £30,000 to contribute to your project. Um, One of the big considerations for clubs when they're looking at all this is, of course, VAT. Uh, They do, if you can... If you have got the levels of turnover to um, become that registered, it's in your in your interest um, because uh, your building supplies, whatever you need, will have VAT added to them, and of course you're going to have to cover that. And unfortunately, the funds don't cover taxes, so just um, take a little bit of advice before you go launching launching into the uh, into applying for uh, grants, etc. But you do need to. Um, Have your club in good order Uh, Your governance will be checked Um, But it shouldn't be anything That clubs who are being run correctly and properly don't have at their fingertips. I mean, constitution, for example, audited accounts for the last three years, the mm-hmm. right structure. Uh, it's, it's all things that make for a good business, uh, a, a sustainable business. And of course, we all know how volatile football is at the moment with all this money being spent on players and not on facilities and clubs on the brink. Um, South End United, Scunthorpe United are examples of clubs overspending on players and not, not looking
0: after their own governance. I I guess that ground grading is a sort of a critical element of this because, of course, whether clubs need to maintain the facilities that they've got or whether they aspire to go up the pyramid and therefore need to have facilities that are commensurate with a higher level of football, ground grading, is that an important driver behind um, clubs um, applying to the fund? I mean,
3: ground grading is is seen as a, a necessary evil by a lot of clubs. Uh, now, I would dispute that immediately and saying, you know, um, if you're asked to provide seating for 100, your argument you get back is, why? We get 20 people watching us. Well, maybe if you supply the seating for 100, you might get 30 people watching you or 40 people watching you if they haven't got a stand in a field and get muddy feet and wet feet then you might get another 10 people and if you've got a nice clubhouse where where your people's uh, children are, are feel safe and looked after and got warm and got nice toilet facilities you might get another 10 or 12 so from going from 20 just by building a stand and having a nice clubhouse, you might actually find you you double your gate. I mean, the old adage, if you build it, they'll come, is probably true. Um, so uh, i I firm believer that your facilities will grow your club. And uh, the opportunity to have money, is, it's free money from the Premier League. You don't pay it back. It's not a loan. I mean it will give you 70% of your of your grant application. And if you spend it in the right way, then you will find that you have a nice ground, And I'm sure that your facilities will, uh, your spectators expect, uh, will improve. You'll have a little bit more money to spend on your players, a little bit more money to go up through the National League system. Um, obviously, as you go through the National League system, five and six is quite a liberal ground grading. It's quite loose in the some of the interpretations, although the actual grand grade and document from the Premier League fund which you can get from uh, www.premierleaguestadiumfund.co.uk will guide you in the right direction and will give you a lot of images and pictures where it was all words previously it's now words and it's now pictures and words and a very simple to read template so you can compare what you've got with what you actually um, need to have at this level and what your aspirations can be for the for the next level um, certainly, it's £100,000 available from the Premier League Fund at Step Five and Six. It's £150 at Step Four, and it rises, rises up. So, um, and it covers every aspect of the uh, of of what you need. I mean, there's a few exclusions, but they're few and far between. Your basics, your, from your pitch to your floodlights, are are pretty much covered within within the grant.
0: So, if, if a club say, needed to replace their floodlights this season. But also had an aspiration to replace, say, their changing rooms next season. Are there limitations on how frequently you can go in for this? Um, hundred and- it's hundred thousand
3: pounds at step five and six. Right. I mean, if you if you want to, uh, it, it, you, your hundred thousand pounds basically sits there for five years. If you have a project, I mean, for example, at Radstock we put new fencing in, etc., and the Premier League uh, fund as part of that. Project was about twenty five thousand So technically, sat waiting for uh, an application from Radstock is, is seventy some some odd thousand pounds. So we're quite at liberty now to apply for uh, dressing rooms or a new tractor for the ground or whatever we we want to do. Um, there's nothing to stop you applying in in phases or in one hit for everything you want you want to do. You just have to make sure you have the basically a third of the. Uh, of the money available um, to support the project. I mean, it's not a a give you money in the sense of, yes, the Premier League clubs probably could afford to give you 100%, but football is not a charity. Um, Clubs have to take some responsibility for their own futures, and it's unfair to ask another football club to buy you a new ground. So it's, it's right, I'll um, use um, oh, a politician's phrase, it's right and proper that, <laughs> that clubs should contribute. Um, there are some exceptions. There are certain funds that the Premier League bring in as um, one-off specials, uh, which don't require quite so much. There's a certain grant, um, system, uh, applic- uh, grant opportunity going on at the moment where there's only a 10% requirement, and that does include an amount of money for uh, 3G pitches. As some women's football requirements um, don't actually uh, need a uh, a deposit, as it were, or a balance payment. So, I mean, it's quite flexible and it's, uh, it's a relatively easy process. It's not a difficult process. You basically go onto the website, make sure you've got your checklist of bits and pieces you need to upload, which will include, as I said previously, your constitution, your your structure of your company or your club your, your status of your club um the bits and pieces involved in what you actually want to do uh, one key one is you must be applying for planning um it's not a prerequisite of getting a pre, uh, pre-approval for your funding but we won't get your funding until you've actually got planning if planning's required or a letter from the planning office saying no on this case you don't need planning because you're replacing like for like so um there are a few obstacles to getting the money but it is a relatively quick process i mean it's being streamlined all the time um i'm at a meeting next week uh to to review a number of of, of applications um i know the football foundation are keen to talk to clubs very keen to talk to clubs who've got multiple teams to improve their facilities. You've currently got a Football Foundation grant available for pitch improvements for clubs in the feeder leagues, which is key. But what you have to do is be very realistic about what you want to achieve, what you can afford to achieve, and in what timescales you want want to do it. One of the big issues, I suppose, for everybody, and it certainly came to light in the Western League a few years, is the gradient on grounds because I think everybody's forgotten their maths lessons at school that teach you what a gradient is. The current uh, recommendation um, from the Football League or from the Premier League is that your gradient is only one in four. That means over 100 metres, you should only have a fall away of half a metre, which is not very much, really, and certainly... So certainly it's worth checking in with your, the area technical managers from the um, Football Foundation or uh, Premier League, whichever you get allocated to from whichever funds you're going for, about your actual suitability for doing what you want to do. And that's quite an important thing. Um, to once you start your application process with the Premier League and with the Football Foundation, you will be allocated a technical manager who will who will come to site, who will talk everything with you. Um, if you're if you're applying for something that's complicated, if it's relatively straightforward like the fencing we were doing at Radstock, it was all done with photographs, emails, and uh, the the necessary documents. So it was all done online, in effect. Um. There's no need for uh, intervention. However, if you put a new ground up, you obviously want somebody to come down there and tell you exactly what you need to put in, put in place to get that ground compliant from day one and what, what funding you can get from various sources to, to make sure that, that new ground happens.
0: So once the application's been made online, you say that the the clubs are allocated a manager to oversee that application. And would that person be providing them with ongoing support about things like, have you spoken to the local authority about getting planning permission? You know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? when you go onto the website and you
3: go in and start an application, that's the point the technical manager will be informed. I mean, the, uh, the system's quite slick. It works very well. You then have a series of pages which are relatively straightforward to fill in. There are some words required at some point in to explain your project, to explain the needs, of your why you need it. And just simply putting on there to meet grand grade is not enough. You need to explain what's going on currently and what's not. So you get a series of pages that are relatively straightforward to fill in you then um but you can save each page you haven't got to do all this in in one go you just save your page come back to it two days later you find something you haven't got okay great i'll save that page i'll go and find the information out make sure i've got it next time so you get through your application and your technical manager will talk to you once the application has been inputted uh if necessary as i said it could be done just simply by email uh, an email introduction, then a, a conversation, probably via email to start with, to see who's going to visit who and if there's any need. Uh, once that's gone through, there, there are two levels to the review process. If it's if the technical manager says, yeah, that's, that's, this is a good application, it's needed, uh, it can be recommended to the, um, the hierarchy of the, the football, um, of, of the panel, and uh, it's just signed off. I think it's up to about 50,000. They can just sign off. So that saves time, energy, and effort. If it's over that, then it comes in front of the review panel that, that I sit on.
0: And have you found yourself um, supporting any clubs with their applications? I don't know whether that's probably whether that's appropriate given your position on the review panel. But I mean, if, if people were to say ask your advice, because appreciate that for somebody of your knowledge and experience, these forms don't hold any fear. But of course, if you've never done one before, it can be quite a difficult challenge to, to start. So I mean, have you been able to sort of support any other people involved in the game? I've offered advice around uh, around to people. I've never sat
3: down and filled a form in for somebody. Apart from I've done a couple of schools uh, historically through my working life and, a, and an association with a local school who needed a, a business case um, for their their grant approval but that was a number of years ago. I'm quite happy to sit down and talk to anybody uh, about their application. I wouldn't make their application for them but I can certainly advise them if they wanted me to sit down in the, in the clubhouse and have a chat through what they actually do need or how to I uh, had to put together a decent business case for getting a a, a big wedge of fund. All I've got to do in, in 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 the review panel is just declare an interest and just sit that one out as it were because obviously we're all football people and certainly the guy who's who's chair of the NLS he knows everybody in football. So he's got a, f- a finger in every pie. So I mean if you've got a direct
0: knowledge so you just drop out the conversation, you declare an interest and and drop out. So if there are people listening to this who are involved in a club that needs to make an application to um, um, renew or improve some of their facilities, are you happy for people to contact you? I am indeed. Yeah. Come through the Western League and I'm quite happy to to go and have a chat to those
3: guys. I mean, like I say, if you want, if you're actually going to make an application, the technical manager is the person, but getting into the technical yeah. manager, you do have to fill in bits and pieces. Before, because they're busy people. There's not many of them and they are busy, busy people. I mean, the whole grand grading thing is is changing, as you probably all know. You've probably been made aware. I mean, uh, Andy Ralford uh, sent a document, the new grand grading document, to everybody quite recently uh, via the Western League. Um, uh, Clubs will be expected to self-assess to a certain degree. And then there's quite a slick process being put in place for those self-assessments to be reviewed. Um, As soon as an anomaly throws up, a club doesn't have two sides of its ground hard standing or doesn't, if it's declared a three-side ground, doesn't have the third side closed off. If the photographs of its goalposts make them, they're still wooden and square, then uh, or the pitch is running off into the distance and you can't see it because it's below the horizon. I mean, it's... um, it, it, that will throw up an anomaly and you will get a visit from the FA's Grand Grading Inspectorate and um, the, the issue that there's a number of clubs higher in the higher levels at the moment are uh, deemed as relegated clubs because they don't meet Grand Grading for the specific level they're playing at. So it's not a situation to be taken lightly, Grand Grading. It's very important for the future of football, for the future of development of football. And the FA see it as, as key. A Premier League see it as key. The Pro, Premier League are happy to fund as much as they can of it. Um, but it's up to clubs at, at local levels to to motivate themselves enough to to put into practice and get past the old, well, we don't have that many people here. It doesn't apply to us. Well, sorry, it does.
0: It's, it's that serious then, is it? Because, I mean, I appreciate from my sort of time with the Western League, we, I know we've got a, a ground grading officer and I know that we do visits over the course of a season to various clubs. Um, but from what you've described, is that function going to stay or is that actually that function is going to move to this inspectorate and ultimately the leagues themselves won't be in a position to be able to manage the process of ground development. It could it could lead to clubs being relegated from steps five or six. It could do, yeah. In theory, I mean, I can
3: I know all of. I won't mention their names, but for example, um, I, I know uh, there's one club at, currently at step two who um, thought they had a ground capacity of over three thousand. In fact, they've had two thousand people on their ground. When they had a full ground inspection following their promotion to level two, their ground capacity was cut to 740, which means that they are technically a relegated club because they don't meet ground grading. Now, anybody who goes gets promoted uh, has until the following March the 31st to achieve that um, ground grading status, apart from, of course, clubs coming into the National League system uh, at step six who have to have achieved the ground, appropriate ground grading level by March the 31st in the season prior to them being promoted into it. Floodlights being an exception, you can put those up after the event when you're actually promoted because everybody appreciates you don't want to spend 70 or 80,000 pounds on a set of floodlights if you haven't got to. But certainly further up the uh, the pyramid, there are clubs in fear of being relegated if they can't actually um, do the work required under the um, the grand grading documentation um, And as it's seen as a level playing field albeit with various differences in standard, yeah, clubs will be relegated if they don't meet grand grading. I mean it may be there has to be some dispensations in some circumstances. I mean for example, Wiltshire's planning situation is in a mess. I mean, they're months behind in applications and everything else. So, you know, there's certainly no willingness on the FA to suddenly relegate lots of clubs. But, I mean, they're going to work with people who, who need work done on their grounds. Um, but if, if you don't appear to be very willing to get started, then obviously there's nothing
0: anybody can do to help you. I mean, just one final question, um, Dave, Um, when when you think obviously your experience, uh, you know, is steps five and six, Um, when you're looking at the way that clubs are approaching, not just their ground grading, but I guess the financing of, 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 of improvements. Do you think the game at our level is in a healthy state or do you think that actually there's more work to do from funding bodies like the Premier League to actually put in place sustainable long term facilities at our level? Uh, Personally, I
3: think we we are all struggling. Um, I don't think there's enough duty of care placed on their facilities by the clubs. I mean, the clubs have a duty of care to provide a relatively safe safe environment as they possibly can for players, spectators, children, and everybody. Um, So broken concrete paths, um, cold showers, poor perimeter fencing or or walls is, is not actually looking after... Looking after everybody coming in. On the other hand, you've got um, large uh, amounts of increased cost coming from the utility bills, from from all these uh, outside influences that we've got no control over. So, clubs need to look in slightly different ways. I mean, I've been trying to put together an environmental impact plan for Rastock Town to make us a lot greener club. Um, I, I'm currently looking at ground source heat. Heating um, Pump heating, which is not inexpensive to install, but actually means the club doesn't pay any heating bills, in effect, um, especially if we combine that with solar panels. So I would urge clubs, if they are thinking along this, yes, first of all, meet your ground grading requirements. But before you go leaping forward, I will look at whether you can actually save some money, which allows you to put into the future of your of your ground Improvements through um, savings in um, in in what you're spending on utility bills. Uh, also look at, uh, for example, Viridor have a great scheme for uh, supporting local sports, local communities. Uh, if you're if you're in one of their catchment areas, you can you can get very good sort of grant funding from it. And, Of course, that along with the Premier League means the club. Don't necessarily, because it doesn't make any difference to the Premier League where the thirty percent comes from. I mean, it can be a council contribution, it could be a developer's contribution, it can be um, a, a benefactor, it can be a, a waste company, it can be anybody. I mean, you haven't got to pull it out of your own funds. It can, it, you know, it can come from wherever you want. So, if you're a busy, active club who's got sponsors, got a lot of children's teams, you've got a lot of input from from the community, then it may be easy to raise the balance and everybody everybody wins
0: and my thanks um, to Dave for his time and um, as you heard during the interview I did ask if Dave was prepared to have a chat with anybody who um, is in the process or thinking about making an application and he he kindly offered to do so. If you want to get in touch with me, my contact details are on the uh, the Western League's website or you can find me, of course, on social media. That's at Ian Knockholds and I'd be more than happy to put you in touch um, with Dave. Uh, we will, Tom, take a look at the fixtures coming up before we get into the games in the Western League. Uh, that are uh, uh, scheduled. I just thought we'd have a, a very quick look. i will just give you a quick reminder of what's going on in the FA bars. At the third time of asking, um, Bridgewater Town hopefully will be taking on Erith Town. Uh, that's a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, the 28th of January. Buckland Athletic, they will be taking on Ascot United. Again, that's another three, three o'clock kickoff. And Clevedon Town, hopefully they will get their game on at home to Harefield united but we'll um we'll take a look into our premier division now tom what game has caught your eye there
1: yeah absolutely so i'm going to go obviously as we keep touching on not been much football uh but i'm going to go for welton canesham two teams that unfortunately did fall to defeat on the weekend so obviously we know a little bit how how they're going at the moment uh and it's uh, yeah it's a big game for welton isn't it they want to want to pick up points against sides towards the bottom uh so if they can uh, yeah obviously Pretty pretty gutted, I think, on the weekend to have dropped that point right at the death. Uh, so uh, yeah, if they can rebound against Kentish uh, on, on the weekend, that'll be that'll be ideal for them. So uh, two sides who uh, have got a little bit of football in their legs, which is uh, um, a good thing for I think everyone at this, at this well at this current moment. So yeah, hopefully fingers crossed, all these games go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, see how Welton rebound against Kentish uh, side who also suffered defeat on the weekend. So yeah, that'll be the the, the game I'm interested to see how it plays out this weekend.
0: I have a feeling that um, Falmouth Town against Ilfracombe Town could be a very competitive Mm -hmm. um, fixture. Falmouth, I think they've been going under the radar a little bit. I know they had that defeat at the weekend, which um, will obviously have set them back a bit, but they they do look like a very competent outfit. Of course, Ilfracombe themselves um, are are, 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 a very competitive side. Um, but I think Falmouth might, um, if they put a, a decent run of results together, be able to um, have a say in what's going on towards the top of the Premier Division table. Currently eighth in the table at the moment, with a couple of games in hand over most of the teams above them. So it uh, could, be, could be an interesting one there. Uh, right then, Tom, what about your pick of the matches in the first division?
1: Could to go for a top four battle between Brislington and FC Bristol. So that's third hosting fourth. Uh, yeah, I think obviously Brislington definitely in the uh, in the title race, a couple of games in hand on the the two sides ahead of them. Uh, Bristol, ten points back, but they yeah, they're a, well, a, a real top side, aren't they? They've won fourteen games this year, which isn't to be sniffed at. So uh, Brislington definitely not going to have it all their own way if uh, if they get it on 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 the weekend. And what about
0: Oldland Ambertonians against Warminster Town? Oldland, of course, who started this season so? Um, well, uh, and Warminster, who started it pretty badly and actually have really turned their season around. Um, so um, yeah, I think that'll be a, a I think that'll be an absolutely uh, cracking, uh, cracking game. Um, two top of the ta- um, top half of the table sides. Um, very interesting to see who comes out on top in in that game. Um, normally, Tom, of course, we either talk about the goal scorers or the league tables, but on the grounds that not a great deal has happened. Um, we're not going to bother doing that this week hopefully we'll get a chance to re- resume to normal action next week um, but of course that is the perfect way of introducing your bulletin because if any of the listeners are interested in seeing who the leading goal scorers are
1: or indeed reviewing the league tables they can read that in your bulletin but where can they find it? That will be on the uh, Tool Station League uh, official website and then if you scroll down about halfway, there is a little tab along to the left uh, we have yeah we did manage to to get one out on the weekend obviously not been not been much to write about, uh, but we had the yeah, the game from from uh, last week that you covered so well on the podcast, uh, and then the, <laughs> the the three most recent matches, uh, and then obviously the tables have changed ever so slightly. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, more more to write about at the weekend and and going forward. Obviously, we'll have a, a huge backlog as as we've mentioned, so uh, there'll be plenty going on in in the bulletin. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that will pick up sh- soon, I'm sure. But that's yeah available on the uh, Toolstation Station League official website excellent stuff Tom it's great to have you back i look forward to talking to you
0: next week on the tool station westernly podcast